You haven't lived until you've heard the show Americans are talking about. The show that launches its listeners to the height of humanity. The audio hour that travels the landscape of adventure. The sound that comforts more than the clip of your first bolt. <sighs> it's the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show! <laughs> We're Outdoor Adventure Summits the Airwaves. It is the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. I'm your host, Brandon Long, on belay with you for the next hour. In studio with me again, as usual, is Todd at the Top. Welcome, Todders. Happy spring, almost. It, well, uh, it's, it's kind of cold out there today, actually. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Um, episode number 124 is the Piranhas Dope Testing and Wizardry episode of the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. So, yes, we will get to some news and events as well as gear and some uh i have a my lands segment this time and some of the news items we shall cover today uh runaway bald eagle that's never a good thing utah takes the 2013 fat cat groomer challenge there's a productive it was a productive gray wolf hunting season for the hunters couple thought kidnapped in peru forgot to call always call Great White Kills, award-winning film producer. I got that one. Yeah? Yeah, that's what I found. Do you know who it was? Or? Yeah, I do. Is he? Okay. Uh, Michael, oh, sorry, Mitchell repeats as a sub champion. And then uh, Billabong has signed Laura Ever. Guys, you're welcome for this story. And uh, Climate Report predicts piranhas and ice fishermen are being dope tested. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about these stories coming up. Right here on the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show's Piranhas Dope Testing and Wizardry episode. So let's charge. He summits with the agility of a mountain goat, flashes routes faster than UPS, is more intimate in the mountains than Jake Gyllenhaal. He's Todd to the top. He is Todd at the top. Do you want to cover that story first? or I'm you want to almost online. Almost online. Time. Okay. Uh, we will chat first then about the bald eagle that has run away. He's He spent three days on the lamb. <laughs> He's on vacation. He's just having trouble with his parents at home. You know what it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, the radio transmitter was used, and then a feast of quail and mouse led to the capture of the California Zoo's bald eagle after three days on the lamb. The Palo Alto Junior Museum and Zoo has a tamed 24-year-old bald eagle named Sequoia. She was enjoying her daily exercise Saturday in the park when a strong wind spooked her, and uh, she ended up flying north and roosted in a tree in Menlo Park and just kind of hung out there. Didn't really go anywhere because she was scared. And then finally, the famished bird, after a few days, dropped from her perch to the arm of her trainer, John Flynn, who rewarded her with a quail and a mouse feast. And Sequoia is now back home. It's like candy. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Quail and Um, what else? Quail and mouse feast. (laughs) (laughs) Hurry up. Somebody go grab a mouse. We got to get this bald eagle back. Apparently, Sequoia has ventured out on her own eight times while at the San Francisco Zoo. And uh, she joined the Palo Alto Zoo last year. She's a traveler, that bald eagle. I wonder if she's like a teenager. She's oh, just probably. a rebellious teenager. 24-year-old teenager. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, okay, in eagle. In eagle years? Eagle, yeah. Eagle. So good news. Uh, Utah groomers know what they're doing, apparently. They do? Yeah, groomers from Vermont... And Utah take the top honors in the 2013 Fat Cat, that's PH, Fat Cat Isn't it Challenge. Yeah. Ski area, I didn't know this was a comp, but sweet. Yeah, this is great. Ski area grooming machine operators Nate Yingling of Utah's Canyons Resort and Dan Cherkis of Vermont's Mount Snow won top honors and took home a $1,000 cash prize. 
in the National Ski Areas Association 2013 Fat Cat Challenge held in January at Snowbird Ski Summer Resort in Utah and then later in February in Mount Snow. Good on them. Yeah, it's a comp that's held annually in conjunction with NSAA's Western and Eastern Winter Conferences and Trade Shows. The Fat Cat first launched in 2005. It's the ski industry's preeminent event designed for ski area grooming machine operators and pits the country's top drivers in on snow competition you did it you went into radio voice <laughs> i had to I that's like car racing right there only on snow with fat cats sunday sunday, sunday. yeah the dedication hard work and ski area groomers sometimes goes rather unnoticed no so the Fat Cat Challenge is an opportunity to recognize those efforts while also providing a platform in which drivers can learn new techniques and effective grooming skills, says NSAA President Michael Berry. He won a grant. He took down a cool grand for being the best cat driver. So take that, all other cat driver people. Well played. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Tell me about this shark attack thing. All right. No, I didn't know the... Yeah, I've never heard of the guy, but oh, okay. Uh, uh, let's see what do I got here. This is off of this is off of Outside's blog actually. Award-winning TV and film producer Adam Strange, which is a great name, was mauled to death Wednesday by what is believed to be a great white shark off the coast of New Zealand. Strange, 46, was swimming off of Auckland's Murawai. That would be an Australian accent if I could do it. Was that it? When he was attacked and pulled under. According to one witness, the shark swam away after the initial attack, but returned with several others. Get a good as bros in on this. This is terrible. Before rescuers could reach Strange. Police arrived at the scene and fired at least 20 rounds at the animals from a lifeboat and helicopter in an attempt to scare them off. The sharks eventually let go, but Strange was already dead. It took rescuers 30 minutes to recover the body. While the species of shark remains unconfirmed, environmental officials said that multiple great whites have been spotted in the area over the week near Murawai. Uh, I would assume they're lucky they got the body back and the shark just didn't take off with it or something. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not a. Uh, they said even though uh, New Zealand's a hot spot for great whites, they rarely attack people. 99% of the time they ignore people. Sometimes people get bitten, but very seldom, if ever. Yeah, well, get mauled to death. So. Oh, really? So some. Oh, so so a death is is rare from a great white shark. At least in this area. In that area. In New Zealand. I don't know. That's sort of scary. I don't know if I'd want to be jumping in the water there because oh, it's cool. White sharks usually don't. Great white sharks usually don't kill people. They'll just bite and like. Oh, okay. No worries. Let me go for a swim. Like I'm not sure. You know if what? I'd be I don't. With that. It's tough because. We don't spend enough time in the ocean to really have a, you know, right. a, a real opinion on that. I remember there was shark attacks or shark spottings, not attacks, spottings uh, at the beach where I used to go in San Diego. And the surfers would be out there the second they reopened the beaches and not think anything of it, you know? Yeah. Like they know the risk is really, really minimal. Like it's, it's really unusual for, for something like that to happen. But for me, it, like it would scare me to death. Like it really would. Like I wouldn't go there for days. Yeah. I mean, you're ever in the ocean and you feel something bump your leg and it's like, you know, automatically everything it goes through my head. It's probably going to kill me. I don't know what that was, but I'm probably not going to make it back to the shore. No, the ocean is very I'd make a terrible server. I think well, the fact that well, you can't see snow. what's under there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. But a lot of the, probably a lot of the people from the coast would think that a, a lot of these skiers and snowboarders are crazy for some of the conditions that they go into, you know? Yeah, you never know. I guess it's all of what you know, but that's still very sad. Uh, speaking of killer animals, what, would you throw wolves into that category? Yes, um, they're animals, they're yeah. monsters. This is on the, uh, is this really the name of this? Uh, oh, Flathead Beacon. I thought it was Fathead Beacon. <laughs> it's the Flathead Beacon news story. Wolf hunt yields high numbers. The hunters and trappers finish the season with a record take of gray wolves. So this week marks the conclusion of the highly contentious, yet most productive, gray wolf hunting season in Montana. As of February 25th, the hunters and trappers reportedly killed 219 wolves during the state's third season. That sounds like a lot, but there's actually... They've counted how many are up there. There's a lot of wolves. I mean... Considering there were none, like they were hunted to the point of extinction, and now they're back to those kind of numbers, 
that's how many they took. Yeah, they no, took. No, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. So that um, that was fifty three more more than last year's total. The general rifle season began October twentieth, trapping on December fifteenth. Uh, they had expanded options. Blah blah blah. Okay, so hunters shot one hundred twenty eight wolves. Trappers caught ninety one. A total of forty two were killed in the two eastern districts. Uh, I thought I had some. Oh, here we go. Um, the FWP. What does that stand for? Fish and Wildlife something. Foop. The FOOP. Um, they plan to release an updated population estimate in March. At the end of last season, the agency said there were at least 653 wolves in 130 verified packs, 39 breeding pairs in Montana. They were believed to be at least 1,774 wolves living in the Rocky Mountain region. Nice haul, hunters and How trappers. Many? One fifth of the wolves. You One got fifth. them. Man, that's food. Just wipe them out. I wonder how many are in Utah. You know they're here. I just don't know where. I haven't seen one yet. Yeah. That'd be I mean, sweet they to know. hear they one. May, after all these years, they may have worked their way down this yeah, far. I don't know. Know. Yeah, more information on this at flatheadbeacon.com. So uh, don't forget to call when you are in Peru on vacation. That's and just good advice. Just call your... Always call your mom. Mom is worried. Mom's is always worried. Yeah. There was a massive search, and the U.S. and Peruvian governments have located a California couple feared missing and possibly kidnapped in Peru. Um, Garrett Hand, 25 years old, and Jamie Neal, 27, both of Oakland. They had not been heard of since January 25th. Well, that's a pretty long time. That's they like, hadn't Facebook that's or a anything month. like yeah, that. Yeah, right. You'd think you'd jump on Facebook. And they were known to be cycling from uh, Cusco to Lima. Their families became concerned when Han stopped posting updates on his Facebook page. The couple could no longer be reached by cell phone. It's like, oh, I totally forgot to charge my cell phone and plug it in. For a month. Uh, for a month. A Facebook company or a campaign, sorry, was launched by the families. Circulating flyers with Hand and Neil's names, faces, information, pleading for information regarding their whereabouts. Proust Tourism Ministry, eager to quash any misgivings foreigners may have regarding safe travel in the country. Well, yeah, he's like, oh, great. <laughs> this is not good. Dispatched two emissaries to track the couple down. Hand and Neil were eventually found relaxing on a boat, traveling idly down the Navos River towards Ecuador. Hand, oblivious to his family's efforts, and those of two different governments reportedly said that they were fine. Busted. Everything's fantastic. Call yeah. your mom. By the way, call your mom. Here's the bill for this rescue. <laughs> oh, boy. Neil breezily signed onto her Facebook account to say that she was also fine and was going to play with a pet monkey that we named Peppy that was biting her to- his toes. Whatever. My toes. That sounds like Come a status on. update are you, Yeah, are you serious? And then this uh, this little article says, and that's why you always leave a note. Yep. Lesson learned. Call home, leave a note, or else, uh, you know. Or just tell them, hey, I'm going to be gone a month off the grid. Like, that's pretty cool. It is, right? Like, but Just let them know. Let them know, yeah. Like, hey, by the way, we're entering this this territory where you might not hear from me for a while. So... That's not good. Um, Mitchell repeats. So Jamie Mitchell, he's a good paddler, apparently, because he won again this year's he's gold medal champion, second time in two years for the ISA World Cup SUP and paddleboard championships distance race. Uh, Jamie Mitchell is the he won. So those those points go toward the team title. Which kept adding up for Australia. He is an Australian. See, that's that's. I'd rather be out there, maybe stand up paddle surfing in uh, Great White territory than maybe just regular surfing, because you spend less time in the water. Yeah, know. except for you get bumped and you're still getting. You're still out. you're still toast. Yeah, I don't know, but you also have a paddle in your hand to maybe smack him in the schnoz. Sma- yeah, you know, you never yeah, exactly. know. It could work. Yeah, could hit work. him in the nose. That's yeah, what I. Are hear. you calling me right now again? Because I tend to get these whenever. No, I'm right here. What I did was put her on extra freaking loud so that next when it does ring, so that's you'll proof definitely this is live. You're all listening to this live. Yeah. So uh, if you are taking up the sport of paddle stand up paddleboarding, 
Jamie Mitchell is, is the one that you need to to race down, literally, because he's the man, or look up to, or whatever. So, and then finally, actually not finally, I got some more stories, but Laura and Ever, and Ever, and Ever, N E N and Ever. E N, it's all E's. E N E V E R. Laura Enver. Yeah. She signed. She signed with Billabong. Uh, basically, I'm telling you this because she's hot, uh, and she's 18 years old, and that's that's why they sign her. Um, so dudes can go out and look her up. But uh, this this on the heels of Have you heard uh, Sierra Quitaquit? No, that's a great name though. Sierra Quitaquit is. I mean, some of these gals, they're like, if they're whatever. The sport they're interested in doesn't if that doesn't work out. They can always fall back on modeling some of these. So Sierra is like the equivalent of uh, of Laura Enover here, who's eighteen. She could be a model, but she's actually the top. She's the eight eight. She's ranked eight in the world for professional surfer, and uh, so Billabong picked her up. And then Sierra Quitaquit is one of the top female skiers right now. And uh, who's also uh, a yoga, or they call them yogi masters or whatever. She does a lot of yoga and a model. She's a model. She's gorgeous. She can ski, does yoga. And then this gal here, um, uh, Laura Enover, really good surfer, really pretty, and she's killing it. So good on you, ladies. Way to get out there and show them what's up. I got a good transition story, kind of a follow-up to that. Sure. I think that uh, Billabong can be... If they, they should swoop in and pick up some of these athletes. Did you hear about this? A uh, handful of sponsored athletes and about 30 staff members at uh, Quicksilver, which is one of my favorite surf brands. I love that brand. Have lost their jobs following broad cuts that affected several of the group's brands. While the company hasn't made the specifics of the cuts public, they've reportedly eliminated most of their BMX and surf teams under their DC brand, while completely cutting their DC women, Quicksilver women, and Quicksilver girls brands. So I thought DC was still a pretty big, pretty big deal, like pretty popular. Uh, apparently, it's it's on the decline. If uh, so, and, and I didn't know Quicksilver owned DC, but I think the thing is, let's see, uh, company's biggest name athletes, including Tony Hawk, Dane Reynolds, Kelly Slater. Obviously, have kept their sponsorships. Uh, I hope They're not so. Gonna drop them, yeah. yeah. The restructuring follows the appointment of new CEO Andy Mooney, who Quicksilver uh, joined Quicksilver earlier this year and has presided over a threefold growth in the company's stock price. Oh, nice job! So Mooney. they're not hurting. So he yeah. comes in, he cuts <laughs> third of the company. Yeah, he's like, okay, look, here, and stocks go up. Here's the dead weight. Yeah, that's yeah, unfortunately. So there you go. Yeah, that's life and business be right there. Looking for some more sponsors, absolutely. Oh boy, go win some, go win some more international competitions and some gold medals, and you won't have to worry about being dropped ever. Yeah. Yeah, and Quicksilver build back up, and you get back on Quicksilver again. So I, I take it you went to the outside blog. Yeah. So did you see this, this headline? Secret South Carolina climate report predicted piranhas. How did I miss that? I don't know. How did I miss that? Yes, it could happen. I'm all like, ears. oh, by the way, you know, it could it could rain this weekend, and we could get piranhas, <laughs> not falling from the sky, but swimming in our rivers. South Carolina scientists working for the Department of Natural Resources drafted a bleak report last year detailing the potential cl- uh, effects of climate change in the state, but the research never saw the light of day because the government decided to shelve it, saying that priorities have changed. The details of the report were kept secret until. This last week when the state obtained a copy. The report found that temperatures could rise 9 degrees in the next 70 years, which could lead to the invasion of a non-native species such as piranha and Asian swamp eels. Are those the same ones that were in The Princess Bride? I'm not so sure. but uh, Such species have already found homes in Florida, but could move north as the climate changes. Sure. The report also said that salt water could push up into the rivers, killing some fish species, reducing available drinking water. Higher temps could also reduce plankton counts, which in turn reduce the population of fish that feeds on them. But on a positive so, note, gives um, more storylines for sci-fi channel movies. So. Oh my gosh, yeah. So we should see <laughs> yeah, Death by Piranha in North, South, or South, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, exactly. In about seventy years, so <laughs> keep your 
keep on peeled for that. Oh boy. And then finally, you know, those ice fishermen, they're a rowdy bunch and they should probably be dope tested because you never know. I mean, you never, you could be just like hanging out and then you're catching your fish and the guy next to you in the other hole, he's doping and he's catching way more fish than you are. Right. So it's like, what do you do? I mean, it's an unfair advantage. This comes. Uh, Look this, what Lance has done to these sports. Uh, I, I know, right? Oh, the poor. You're going after all of them now. This is out of uh, Wausau, Wisconsin. This Ice is, fishermen. This is ridiculous. This, told, uh, this really I is. I really do want to hear this. They spent a week on a frozen lake. This is like the Ice Championships right here. Mm-hmm. On the And on the last day, after emptying perch and bluegill from their buckets and scrubbing bait from their hands several winners of the world ice world ice fishing championships were ushered into their rooms in the plaza hotel this gets bad real quick they're uh, there an official from the united states anti-doping agency <laughs> ordered them to provide urine samples which they could probably easily give because they've been drinking beer for like the last 17 hours for and, 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 and peeing and, and Coke bottles. And Coke, yeah, yeah, they're like, dude, like I got that. one out back. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah. Uh, yeah, well, so they ordered him to provide urine samples for a surprise test <laughs> to detect steroids and growth hormones no! in the fishermen, not the fish, but in the fishermen, the drugs not normally associated with the quiet solitude of ice fishing. Uh, this quote this is de- dead serious. This is the next quote in the article here. It says, we do not test for beer because then everybody would fail. <laughs> said Joel McDermott, chairman of the United States Freshwater Fishing Federation. With doping a rampant problem throughout sports, drug testing has arrived at the most unlikely places, including the big chili, big Plain reservoir, where competitors hide fish in their pockets and prize... Um, and price patience over power. The leaders of the sport of ice fishing have started a long shot bid to take their lonely pursuit to the Olympics. <laughs> you know. Wow. <laughs> How fun would that be? I'm buying my tickets now. <laughs> that thing's going to sell out fast. Ice fishing in the Olympics. Uh, a birth in the winter game should come with many obvious. Yeah, you can get that if you want. Uh, many obvious and advantages, but first there's a, some hurdles to clear. Um, once the anglers shuffled off the ice and put down the rods, they had to submit to the same examinations as world-class sprinters and weightlifters. In sports like ice fishing, where speed and strength are not necessarily at a premium, an agent from the International Anti-Doping Federation can seem like... Go, go for it. Well, like a fish out of water. Yeah. I saw it coming. After all, ice fishing is not particularly a physical sport. Oh, they would argue, I'm sure. Uh, most days are spent crouched low around the ice hole in snow pants and knee pads and improvised shin guards made out of foam. Hardest part, staying warm. Maybe that's the trick. If you don't shiver. Yeah. Because if but it I depends thought on how much time shivering they spend on the ice. And so maybe that does play could into Could help it. you. Because if you shivered, maybe you're. No, but that's probably got to, as far as just being able to sustain that time out there on the ice. Yeah. I went ice fishing, I think, when I was like in Cub Scouts or something. So. I've never officially ice fish. You know, I've definitely fished. Never ice fished. Um, it sounds. It sounds like um, they're going to make a, an official bid for the Olympics, and maybe it'll work. Who knows? You never know. So, uh, oh my gosh, many golfers also tested positive for banned substances. <laughs> Out of seventy-six tested in twenty eleven, according to the anti or the World Anti Doping Agency that year, one chess player also tested positive. As did two bo- two bowlers and eight roller sport athletes in a tug of war competition. So yeah, so they tested mini golfers, tug of war, tug of war. I could totally see. Oh for sure. But bowlers, uh, I'm not sure. So, what's that? Oh yeah. Um, Let me do a story while you get that. Yeah, do a story. We, we do have a caller, so that's good. All right, here's a good one. Uh, as you know, this year I became a quadragenarian. Yes. So we know what that means, yeah. right? Yeah, we do know. Yep. Okay, that's that's 40 now. But uh, two sexagenarians, that's uh, six, legends of nine. alpine climbing, will attempt to climb the nose of El Capitan a sing- in a single day in May. How cool is that? Now, how old are they? Uh, between the two of them, Jim Danini 
who's 69, and George Lowe, who's 68, are responsible for a haul of serious alpine first descents, including Torre Eger and the Infinite Spur on Mount Foraker. Holy smokes. Well, good luck to those guys. Yeah. Uh, let's see who was... Danini, a former president of the American Alpine Club, said he was motivated to return to El Cap because of the challenge of reacclimating himself to Yosemite's granite. It's important to break out of your comfort zone or else you stagnate, he said. That's true, and you don't want to stagnate going into your 70s, for crying out loud. 69. Yeah, good for him. We do have a call in. Our friend Dharma Sawyer is on the line. Dharma, can you hear us? Yep. How you doing, man? What you got for us today? Hey, good. I was listening, and I just missed your segment on the ice fishing by a minute, but I'm <laughs> an expert on the Princess Bride. Eels. Yep, I've got to help you out on that one. That yes. was the Shrieking Eels. Shrieking Eels. Shrieking Eels. Oh, it's been too long. Oh, my God! You are so yeah. appreciated. Thank you so much. Now, Dharma, um, you, have you ever ice fished, though, before? Are you an ice fisher in? Um, no. I've been invited several times, and... <laughs> and you had something to going all day. I had some <laughs> second thoughts, like maybe I'd rather be emptying my garbage or doing dishes than sitting out in the cold, shivering on top of the ice. <laughs> good, good thinking. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's their slogan, actually. Yeah. That is their slogan. Yeah, that's it. Well, sweet. I appreciate it. I appreciate the call in and the update on the shrinking eels, which were not the the other eels. That yeah. But can you believe uh, piranhas will be in South Carolina here anytime soon? Just so you know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was also thinking about those two older gentlemen climbing El Cap, and I was wondering if Eric Gizzi, our local uh, climber who's in that generation, he's somewhere up in that age where uh, he might have met them or climbed with them, and that's a local Ogden connection. So well, I'm going to have to ask Eric if he ever knew those guys. I think Eric should just go there and smoke them, because I, <laughs> I bet he could. <laughs> See, I'm like, thinking more like work together. Oh, like yeah, smoking. No, I'm so like, he's, he's like, what, guy, I know you're, I know I'm like, oh, he's probably only a couple years younger than they are. And uh, he'd do it barefoot and just smoke them. Right. Yeah, <laughs> which would be sweet. Uh, thanks for calling in, Dom. I appreciate it, man. Okay. All right, take I, care. One and a half year old going to say hi real fast. Yeah, have Please, a say yeah. hi. <laughs> 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 Thank All right, you, man. See you, Dom. Bye-bye. Yeah, buddy. That's good that we have people looking out for us. It's Our fans are looking out for us. Yeah. We do have some events coming up. Um, March 1 through 3, 1st through the 3rd, is the USA Climbing American Boulder Series. That's the ABS, Bowl, uh, ABS Youth National Championships. So eight Utah competitors will be participating in this weekend's championship rounds in Colorado Springs. The current national champion, Nathaniel Coleman... It's from Utah, and uh, six teammates from Team Momentum uh, and Ogden area climbers, Austin Hansel from Evolve, Team Momentum, and Gear 30, as well as Devin Hammonds of the front climbing team are all heading to Colorado Springs this weekend to, partic- to participate in the USA Climbing ABS Youth National Championships. I want to wish all of them good luck. Austin, crush it, dude. That'll be... Uh, a good time for those kids, some good experience out there to, to get some national competition underneath them as far as experience goes. And I know uh, Nathaniel Coleman is really good. So Good luck. Yeah, good luck, guys, kids. That'll be sweet. Come back with the gold. Or, or don't come back. No. Just <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah, so, cool. And then no, but March. Seriously, uh, go ahead and win. But seriously, go ahead and win. March 4th through the 9th is the Wilderness First Responder course through the Weber State Outdoor Program. So, if you want to work in the outdoor industry and uh, or you want to guide, be in, like an AMJ certified guide, something that. And they, let's be honest, who doesn't? Right? Yeah, hit it. Something that uh, will help you gain employment or just experience. The first responder course. Now there's a discount for students. It's two seventy for students, three ninety for non students. Um, Wilderness Medicine of Utah is the oh wow, that's who's putting it on. Maybe that's not through Weber State then. But that's through Wilderness Medicine of Utah. I I plugged Weber State Outdoor Program and it might not be through that. Might be through Wilderness Medicine of Utah instead. But check it out. They do have a website, been to their website plenty of times, the wilderness medicine site. Um they're hosting their first responder next week. Uh, Powder Mountain Night Jam is March 6th. It's at 5 p.m. It's free with your lift pass. And I do believe they got their 
their lift working again because it was down a couple days. So he should be fine. And next week as well, for all you ski touring, schemo fanatics out there, it's the Wasatch Powder Keg. The 10th annual Uprighton should be a blast. That's the, it's March 6th through the 10th. So you got a few days of. That's uh, coming quick, though. Schemo action next weekend. Yeah. March 7th, Snow Basin's doing a blood drive. If you feel like donating some blood for a local cause. And then March 8th is the Fly Fishing Film Tour, World Tour, uh, at the Peary's Egyptian Theater. All proceeds do go to benefit the Ogden River Restoration. That's the Fly Fishing Film Tour 2013. And March 9th, O Nordic Championship Ski Race. Even if you're not a fly fisherman, those those movies are fun. Yeah, and they go to the most incredible locations. Yeah. March 9th also is the Weber Pathways Weekend Snowshoe at North Fork Park, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then uh, March 15th to the 16th is a ski photography workshop presented by the Ogden Valley. Did you say photography? Photography. Yeah, they only photography. They only photograph furred animals. Thank you. Pretty sure you've covered this before. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's a photography workshop. OVBA for they'll be up at Snow Basin. It'll benefit the OVBA, Ogden Valley Business Association. Uh, that's the March fifteenth through the sixteenth, and then March sixth. This is I don't I don't know. I'm not really sure what's going on with this. If anyone has information on this, thank you, Dharma, for calling us. I looked up Slug's website and Snow Basin's website. Not sure who thought of this idea, but it is the Winter Wizardry. Slug games at Snow Basin featuring an enchanting course where riders will be forced to level up while dodging ice trolls, mystical dragons, and fellow orcs alike. How this come is I just, serious. How come I have a feeling that all the Indie Ogden people are going to be over at this thing <laughs> in okay. full costume? Yeah, so I went to the Snow Basin blog. It's the Winter Wizardry Slug Games, March 16th. Just says Slug Magazine and Snow Basin Resort. They're proud to present for the first time. This will be the first time they've ever tried. It's the it's an amateur ski and snowboard contest. I hope they're not teasing. Featuring this be real. mystical dragons and orcs and ice trolls. Uh, bring <laughs> your strongest spells and potions with you. <laughs> Something magical is bound to happen. 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. is the registration on uh, March 16th. Uh, and this is the day before St. Patrick's Day, so it could, things could get a little cray-cray. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm saying. Uh, 11 a.m. warm-up on Little Cat Train Park. The contest is from 11.30 to 3.15 p.m. They'll have some awards. Registration's free. They just want people to participate. So I want to see some wizard hats. Bring, bring your wizard hat. Bring a helmet because the helmets are required. You must be 18 unless you have an adult sign for you. So there you go. There's a good chance if you're into wizardry, you're in your 30s anyway. So come on. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Oh, man. Good stuff. Snow Basin. I'm proud of you. Stepping it up, man. Join. I hope this is real. Uh, yeah. Well, I might have to take a camera up there that day. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. And then on the 17th, um, things sort of get back to normal. At Snow Basin, they will have a uh, St. Patrick's Day concert with Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real. So, uh, tickets for that, or for the VIP area, I should say, are 20 bucks. Oh, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day. That's when, that is one of my favorite holidays. It is. And it's crazy because I remember, I mean, some St. Patrick's Days, you'll be in shorts and a t-shirt watching the parade in Salt Lake or something, and other St. Patrick's Day... Totally bundled up. You're bundled I'm, I'm up and both. freezing. Absolutely. Yeah. Nope. You never know. True. Yeah. Uh, also on the it doesn't agenda. slow anybody down to that parade though. It doesn't matter the temperature. The beer flows no matter what. <laughs> like even below freezing, that beer is <laughs> flowing. So the adult beverages are, are out in force. Uh, uh, March sixteenth is a busy weekend. We got wizards and stuff, and then we also have actually up at Snow Basin. They're also doing an on snow demo, which benefits uh, Snow Basin Adaptive Sports. So they will have. Uh, let's see Burton, Rosignol, and Head it's 20 bucks to demo different equipment all day and then the proceeds will benefit the Snow Basin Adaptive Education Foundation so you can pay 20 bucks demo gear, watch wizards it's a pretty good day at Snow Bay so there you go 
Also, March sixteenth. I, I caught how you did that. That you was like good. That? Yeah. yeah, thanks. It was rhyming. Uh, Gear thirty uh, intro to whitewater kayaking class kicks back up again. It's one fifty. Includes a boat and three days instruction. First day will be on March sixteenth. So if you're like, okay, I'm not really down with the wizards up at Snow Basin. I kind of want to learn how to whitewater paddle. Gear thirty is offering a course. Uh, we just, they just had a avalanche class down there on Tuesday. Went over really well. Uh, and it was actually the guys from Snow Basin down there uh, helping out with the instruction. Maybe we can have Jeff wear a wizard hat or something. We should try that. Yeah. Maybe we should find a hat, give it to Jeff, and say, you have to teach the class. <laughs> Only he's not actually teaching the class. It's somebody else. So. Okay. Um, and then March 19th uh, is the second day of the Gear 30 Intro to Whitewater Kayaking class. And then March 23rd is the third day of the Gear 30 Intro to Whitewater Kayaking class. There goes these afternoon. I busted again on the afternoon. Yawn. Totters. <laughs> Put this. Look away. Look. I'm not a monster. Uh, those who are, those who are really good climbers. You know the, it's not the just young like ones. Really good, did they? Yeah, they're, they did. They, no, they did. They did. Yeah, yeah, I got that too. Uh, they're participating this weekend, like we mentioned. But you know, if you're if you're older or whatever, and you want to comp- compete locally here, the sixth annual Alden Climbing Festival is April. 12th through the 14th. Put it on your calendar now. Get ready. Yeah. Also, that same weekend is the annual spring session up at Powder Mountain. So, good stuff coming. Uh, check your Weber Pathways calendar and your Ogden Nature Center calendar websites for more events. There's There'll be more stuff going on here as, as we transition through spring into summer because there's there'll be a lot more hikes and stuff offered through Weber Pathways. But uh, also, weber.edu backslash outdoor for all you students that are listening. Get involved in the outdoors. It's super easy to do with the uh, Weber, Weber State University outdoor program. Between their rental services, their adventure program, there's no reason anyone uh, should have an excuse to not get on the mountains in some form. So. There's been a recall. It's gear 30 time, by the way. Let's chat gear. Uh, there's been a recall. Liberty Mountain is recalling some climbing lanyards. I don't believe there's many of these around. They are the uh, the EasyGo XP lock Via Ferrata lanyards used for shock absorption on Via Ferrata mountain climbing routes. We do have a little Via Ferrata course, I guess you could say. I don't know. Uh, locally here, it is on private land so you're not supposed to just cruise up there and and use it uh i know we do sell some via ferrata they look very much like these only it's a different brand it's not singing rock uh the singing rock ones are being recalled we sell some down there at the shop but uh if you have some happen to have some easy go xp lock from singing rock uh they're being recalled just so you know yeah they're sold at amazon.com too apparently Everything's sold at Amazon. <laughs> that's what I heard. That's uh, so there's been a study. I know there's... I just finished Born to Run. I think the, you know, the book's three or four years, five years old now. I just finished it. Uh, great book. Uh, recommended reading for trail runners uh, of, of any sort out there. Most, most trail runners have already read it. But uh, it's a great book. And uh, you know, Barefoot Running's really taken off. There's been a study. No, oh, I read that from Vibram. Yeah, that they, you, you could work your way up. You got to work your way. You got to work it. your way up. Yeah, and that and they sort it like ultra. I know the rep was in the shop yesterday. I mean, they have it down to you know. They even suggest break-in periods for their shoes. On okay, wear your shoes that you're wearing now. Break in your ultras. This is how long it'll take. You know. So uh, I think a lot of people do maybe understand this, but there was actually an official study. It was over ten weeks. A group of researchers in Utah. They monitored nineteen runners who transitioned to do some training in Vibram Five Fingers. Everybody knows the Five Fingers. Yeah, they're real good looking. Along with seventeen others who continued to run in traditional shoes. The results, 10 of the Vibram users showed signs of foot bone injury after 10 weeks compared to only one of the 17 conventional shoe users. Um, As Scott Douglas writes, 
The study supports the idea that while running in barely their shoes can strengthen lower leg and feet muscles, the lack of cushioning can increase some risk of bone injury. Basically, start out slow. Yeah. Yeah, you got to work your way up. Yep. So that's your five finger Vibram update. Another brand we know and love, Outdoor Research. I know we talked about Sunto winning some design awards last week. Uh, Outdoor Research won five design awards. Forget the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even fair. <laughs> They're so good. Outdoor Research, the independent Seattle-based manufacturer of outdoor apparel and accessories, kicking off the award season early, earning five esteemed accolades in the extremely competitive outdoor space. Within the span of a month... Five outdoor research products were honored by some of the industry's most discerning critics. The Axiom jacket, which has won just about everything. That's a great coat. Has earned a coveted spot on the Men's Journal Gear of the Year list. And the Gear Institute lauded the Floodlight as the coolest insulated jacket in its Best in Show Awards. Bestowed on the most innovative new products showed at the Outdoor Retailer for Fall 2013. And then in Europe, the Valhalla Hoodie earned the ISPO Design Award in the Ski Outerwear category. And the Lodestar and Alibi 2 Gloves took two out of the top three slots for Best Outdoor Glove Accessories. The awards are an external validation of the ongoing investment the company has made in strengthening its innovation and design muscles. Which, let's be honest, they should be innovative because of their name. Outdoor research. Exactly. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They can't be a step behind because their name is research. It's what they do. Yeah. yeah it's not outdoor. Oh, we just found this <laughs> out or whatever. That's not outdoor copycats. Yeah. Yeah. Men's Journal Gear of the Year Award Axiom Jacket. It also earned Gear of the Year Award from Outside Magazine. Uh, yeah. that The Axiom tore it up. As far as winning awards, so. And to make the, the men's what was it? What's the men's magazine? Uh, U.S. I don't know. Men's Journal. Men's Journal men's magazine. Journal. That's yeah. per, what. It's like a I don't Lamborghinis. I don't subscribe. And, yeah, that's what yeah, it is. exactly. Yeah. The best Lamborghinis. Right. And now the best straight razors. <laughs> it's like these that's a heavy duty competition, things, yeah. right exactly. there. You never know. Yeah. Uh, Down Tech. Downtech is is growing. They've picked up some more um, brands that are carrying them, I guess. So they're the they're the revolutionary, the hydrophobic, quick drying down technology. Today, it was announced that three new key partnerships they have. So they're going into Eddie Bauer products, products, Golight and Kathmandu, the the city. I don't know what Kathmandu is that. It must be a brand. See I guess. if Kathmandu is like a, an apparel brand. I haven't heard of them. Uh, further solidifying its position as the leading international supplier of water-resistant down in the global outdoor industry. Eddie Bauer is excited to partner with Downtech for our premium storm repel downline of the first ascent sleeping bag, said Mark Corral, divisional product line manager. We took our time to carefully test and evaluate multiple hydrophobic down applications. The Downtech te- technology far and away was the best in hydrophobic capabilities and longevity proven through independent labs as well as surviving our guide built process. So Downtech is in Brooks down or Brooks range right now. Um, good stuff. Right. Downtech. Pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sierra designs cause there's something else. I blocked from their website. Thanks for keeping us safe. Okay, yeah. That's wanna, a I don't, I don't dangerous. Venture, I don't want to venture into shady territory. No. Uh, what, what, which one was that? The Catman do one? Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. You never know what goes on there. Mm-hmm. The latest additions to Downtech's partner roster fill an assembly of established brand partners. Yeah, that includes L.O. Beam, Mountain Hardware, Solomon, Big Agnes, EMS, Sawaya, Brooks Range, Nemo, Cedar Summit, Mountain Designs, Mie, or Millet if you're from Ogden, Flylo, Jotner, never heard of Jotner either, Peak Performance, Hellsport, Halty, Camo Fire, and Obermeyer. Well, do you think they must have a good product because that's, I mean, that's pretty high. That's a stuff. good lineup right there. Yeah. Now, speaking of good products, I've never heard of Dale of Norway. I thought it was some Viking dude with the big beard. Dale. Dale, like farmer in the Dale. D A L E. Dale. Dale. Dale of Norway. This is the stuff. This, 
I'm telling you now, Todd, if you are wearing this stuff next year at Sundance, everyone will want your autograph. Because like here, here's an example of one of the sweaters that they have. It's a it's a wool merino wool mix. Okay. Here's the problem with sweaters like that. I don't know that one. Is it like eight hundred or seven? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No, this is it. This is like the top of the line pinnacle. There's a brand of, near where I lived in San Diego, which was sort of those same high end Swiss sweaters and things like that. Th- this one eight, right here, nine hundred bucks. That's four ninety nine for that sweater right there. So this this sweater is they're borderline sweaters that you would wear to an ugly sweater party around christmas but because they are elevates them to cool yes it does but now dale of norway another reason to like them is they pick really good sweaters for their women (laughs) (laughs) it's that's actually really good stuff and and let's be honest she's not bad looking either uh and then they have a here's the last one right here see look how freaking cool that is yeah that's good stuff i've never heard of them they like the part. Apparently, they're from Norway, and I imagine you find that brand a lot more in like Aspen. You're and, uh, yeah, Aspen you would. And you would. Like now, I did a little bit of research on them. They only began in the 1800s, like 1870 something is when Dale of Norway started. So I'm sure the the people from the Aspenites out there, people who understand high quality apparel, I'm sure they are, have heard of Dale of Norway. Uh, I haven't heard of them so look them up they have good stuff and if money is no object go for it if money is no object I wear large to... send one this way yeah. <laughs> I, wear... I need to demo one <laughs> yeah, send it this way uh, that's all I had for gear stuff stuff my my note here on Dale of Norway was to check it so. uh, and then for a my land segment on my lands Clean water in Woods Cross. That's, you know, Utah's own Woods Cross. This is via High Country News. Woods Cross has an opportunity to vote on whether or not they would they want to pay for clean water. It's sort of unusual. Uh, so would you be willing to pay $10 a month? How many lattes is that? To have drinking water free of a suspected carcinogen. That's the question that city councilors in Woods Cross, Utah are asking the residents to answer. What are they giving their people now? So what happened? It's PCE. PCE is tetrachloroethylene. Mm -hmm. And it leaked from a local dry cleaner uh, into the city's groundwater. Oh, I got a pretty good idea who should pay for that. So, well, what happened? Well, it gets a little crazy because the, the... Owners of the dry cleaning company, mm-hmm. they've sold, moved on. So then the city can sue those previous owners, but they probably don't have enough money to pay for it because the city they did their out. own research to say, okay, well, we'll, you know, whatever, we'll cover it, we'll figure it out, we'll help out our residents. It's only going to cost a ton of money, millions of dollars, apparently, in like 80000 a month or something crazy like this. Where is it? Let's see. You know, 8000 a month to... Oh, I lost the numbers. So they put it up to a vote. They figured it out. It's going to be about $10 per person, per resident on their water bill. Uh, and so, and then they can say, okay, if you want to pay, you know, 10 bucks, if we implement this, this fee, then we'll be able to, uh, okay, no, it's $4 million on a carbon filtration system in and plus, no, it's $80,000 a year in operational costs. So it's $4 million to implement the carbon filtration system, $80,000 a year for, to, for the operational costs, at about 9 to $10 a month per household. And so they went out to the public in, in Woods Cross down there and started asking people, and really no one showed up to the town meetings. It was like no one really cared, really. So uh, the thing about it is this carcinogen is actually below the the epa you know standard just barely but it's still a carcinogen in the water so people are probably thinking eh no big i'll drink dirty water rather than spend the 10 bucks or something so woods cross is not rushing to throw this uh, throw this fee out there they're really trying to get feedback from the residents so if you know someone who lives down there um you know hit them up say hey look into this and see if you know, tell your neighbors they're it's trying to gain some traction because it sounds like to me 
the officials down there, Woods Cross, really want the residents to decide on this issue um, and, and of clean drinking water. <laughs> so, so there you go. It's kind of wild. Yeah. It's pretty minimal risk. Um, and that's why maybe they're not taking any you know, big actions on this. So There's that. Quote of the week this week is yard by yard. It's very hard, but inch by inch. It's a cinch. The reason I like that quote is because when you're out there trudging long distances and your approaches and your your touring and your hiking, backpacking, it you know sometimes the mileage feels really hard. But scale it back inch by inch, take it a step at a time. It's it's a famous saying. I mean, it's, it's said in many different ways, but uh, that's just another way to say it. Yard by yard, it's very hard. Good inch by inch, life in general. It's a cinch. Yep. That's about all I got. Look for us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, ognoutdooradventure.com. Anything you want to add? Any parting words for the week? We will not be on air next week. I was just going to say that. Yeah, not be on air next week. We got something else better to do. We will be, our adventure will be in, don't they have an adventure land? At Disney, Disneyland. Oh, we, we should record it. We really should. <laughs> we'll, we'll interview Goofy. <laughs> we will be in Disneyland. Uh, the Ogden Outdoor Adventure hosts will be in Disneyland, broadcasting live from Adventureland. No, we won't be. But uh, we man, it'd be fun to do some interviews down there. Be jealous. It's so going to be gorgeous. Out we'll there. take a week off, and I'll try and get this week and last week. So it's not up on the podcast yet. Up there, so that everyone could have something to listen to in our week off. So. That's all I got for this week. And I downloaded a new song that we can listen to. So stoked about this. So let me uh, throw this on the pause here and find my new song. Have a good weekend. I think it's supposed to warm up into the low 50s here. Should be good. Should be a good weekend. And we will leave you with a little, it's not really a new song, but I downloaded it new. So a little Tegan and Sarah closer. Thank you for listening to the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show on KWCR 88.1 Weber FM, Ogden's radio station.